Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. eGovernance Academy has assisted digital transformation globally in more than 130 countries. Our experts will share their insights and worldwide examples on how digital technology could benefit every society. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Hello to all. My name is Merle Maigre. I am your host today. And today we are talking about cyber exercises. And this is why we have with us uh, CyberSur Technologies Cyber Range Team Leader Ragnar Rattas. Hello. Hi, Ragnar. Hi. Well, as we all know, cyberspace is part of a struggle to gain economic and political gain. And several attacks have come to light since the beginning of this year the largest of which are the SolarWinds supply chain attack and the Microsoft Exchange attack, along with a row of ransomware attacks in the US mostly lately, such as uh, Colonial Pipeline, attack against USAID, and against the world's largest meat supplier, JBS, and so on. In the case of the US IT company SolarWinds, one of the company's accounts was taken over already at the end of 2019. And uh, through that, the attacker moved on the company's systems and applied malware to access the systems of other institutions using the SolarWinds service through a software update. Several US companies, defense and government agencies were attacked. At the beginning of January this year, four zero-day vulnerabilities were discovered in Microsoft Exchange and virtually every organization running their own exchange server was vulnerable and thousands of servers were attacked, most notably by the group dubbed Hafnium from China. Well, these attacks tell us about how serious it all is. How can we, Ragnar, best prepare for that? Is cyber exercises a way to build resilience? What are cyber exercises? So, a uh, short answer is yes, for sure. Uh, but to describe what the cyber exercises are, then let's take one example. Let's take the e-governance academy. You also have some office network where you and your colleagues sit, you have laptop or desktop computer, you read email, you probably have some file servers. I know for sure that you have a website and you could have many other systems. And depending on, on the company's or agency's profile, you also might control like electricity or, or distributed uh, central heating or any other, let's say, industrial processes. And uh, as you mentioned, in many cases, uh, either cyber criminals or, or in some cases also malicious uh, state-sponsored actors uh, wish to target these systems. And uh, in order to prepare uh, the people who, who are supposed to defend them, and cyber exercises is a really, really good way on how to do it. And I will explain why. First thing is that if you take your, let's say, production environment, your real systems, then making changes there or, or even, let's say, simulating attacks, uh, it can have uh, quite bad and severe consequences because you might accidentally break something which will break the actual IT service for you and for your customers. Now, the cyber range, uh, why it's good is that it allows us to take the same systems or at least similar systems that organizations use in their everyday lives uh, and, and in install and use them on a cyber range environment, which will be like a cloned environment with same software, with same operating systems, same services, and it's controlled, meaning that if you mess something up there or, or something goes wrong, 
it doesn't uh, hurt your your everyday production um, services. And um, since it is uh, either direct clone or, or in principle similar setup on cyber range, it means that we can try out various attacks and the things that and then how do you defend them will be directly applicable to your everyday lives and in your production environment. So I would say that cyber exercises they're good because it allows teams or individuals to, to practice cyber defense in a, in a controlled and safe environment. Thank you for that, Ragnar. Can you explain a little more how does a cyber exercise look like? Okay, so uh, in its very core, it, it looks really boring because uh, if we talk about technical cyber defense exercises, then the, the IT engineers or security engineers who participate there, they, they use their computers and they use the same tools that they would use normally to administrate and, and operate the IT systems. So it normally means that they are boring black or, or dark green you know, command lines or, or you know, system administration tools. So this is, this is how, how normally the end users uh, or the target audience uh, sees the exercise. But uh, we do understand that uh, not everybody who participates um, are interested in, in observing somebody's monitor. So another aspect of, of cyber defense exercises is to create good visualizations and to provide situational awareness to, to all the parties in the exercise. And in our case, we have developed um, kind of nice looking tools that give you understandable and real time overview about the events that happen on the exercise. So for example, even if you are the chief executive officer of your company or agency, and you would like to see how well or bad your team progresses, then there is a, let's say, TV screen where regular humans can also understand what's going on and they don't need to deep dive into the network administrator you know, console and then try to understand the commands that he or she is stepping in. Indeed, you are being modest. You say it's boring. However, the times when I have observed the cyber exercises, they are most exciting. They are actually about as exciting as a cyber game can be, just that it takes place in, in real life. Well, I'm sure our listeners would like to know what kind of different cyber exercises can there be? Um, people have probably heard about the capture the flag exercises. There has been talk about live fire exercises. Can you perhaps expand upon these different types and maybe more to our listeners? Yes. Well, I guess that uh, ultimately there can be endless combinations or at least different companies and different service providers uh, might uh, name them differently. Uh, but in our product catalog, uh, well, first big differentiation is trainings versus exercises. So trainings are the ones where you have instructor or at least some sort of either electronical guidance uh, where you will learn and then try to apply the knowledge what you learned in practice by solving some labs. Whereas the exercises, they are, let's say, more difficult because in there you're already put into a situation where it's expected that you have at least some knowledge in that area, meaning that there won't be an instructor who will tell you that write this command. So that's the biggest difference between the training and the exercises. And as for the exercises, then you already mentioned few types. So yes, um, capture the flag is one type of exercise that we quite often uh, conduct. Uh, then the next ones are the live fire exercises. And, and in there, we also have two, let's say, different approaches. 
Um, the one that is more, let's say, traditional one, and it's also very similar to rock shields exercise, is kind of full-scale live fire. It means that the participants uh, in the blue teams will receive full access to, to all the systems they have to defend. But besides defending, they are also tasked to, to let's say, do everyday IT operations, meaning that if red team uh, breaks something, some service, the blue teams are tasked to fix it uh, and uh, to restore the service. So it's this kind of mixture of, of cyber defense and IT operations. Um, but now we know that in, in many cases uh, and in more bigger organizations, for example, military organizations or sort, sort of security agencies, uh, they have the IT operations and security roles divided, meaning that normally you would have some IT department and you will have the security department. And IT department is the one who is doing like everyday Windows updates or Linux updates, maintaining services, so on. And the security department is responsible for securing them and then doing the security monitoring. And then in order to accommodate such use cases, we have uh, developed a little bit different approach to live fire exercises. We call them threat hunting. And uh, what's the biggest difference compared to traditional live fire is that the two teams are not tasked to do IT operations. So basically, it's just about finding uh, red team activities, reporting them, and then sharing that information with other participants. But for instance, if a red team is, I don't know, for example, attacking their email server and compromising uh, or stealing all the emails, then in, in the threat hunting exercise, blue teams are not tasked to fix it. They are just there to observe uh, the red team activities, and um, it's, it's more like looking what they do and the better they are able to do that the, the better they will progress in the exercise and that was like quickly about technical exercises of course there are let's say uh, penetration testing exercises where it's about finding vulnerabilities from from different systems and it can go all the way to non-technical exercises like strategic exercises sort of tabletop discussions and so on uh, but yeah i would say that uh, the live fire in, in these two formats plus the capture the flag uh, type of exercises, these are the most common ones that, that we are engaged with. That's clear. Ragnar, in your uh, explanation, you mentioned um, terms like blue team, red team. Can you perhaps expand a little bit uh, about that for our listeners? Who is the blue team? Who is the red team? And I know at some exercises, there are additional white team and, and green team. Where, what, does, what do these colors mean and where do they come from? Okay, to be honest, I don't really know where they come from, uh, but I have a gut feeling that they might come from, from the NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence and the people who started the Lock Shields exercise series there, I think back in the early 2010s. And then they needed to have some, some uh, color codes for different teams. And I think that from there it started and now it has kind of uh, you know, sp spread across the globe because this is a very commonly used in, uh, in, in all the cyber exercises. But what do the colors mean? So blue uh, or blue teams, they are the defenders. Again, depending on, on the exercise type, they might not be the training audience, but in general, when we talk about blue team, it means the people who defend uh, IT systems. Uh, the red team, uh, they are the adversary or the persons who, who will conduct the attacks or attack the systems. Again, necessarily, it does not mean that they are the bad guys uh, because the exercise can be about training the red team members and then they can be red team members of, of a good you know, company or, or, or state. 
but in any case, the red team is the offending part. Uh, then in majority of the cases, we will have a team called white team. And white team is kind of the exercise organizers and judges. So they are, these are the persons who, who come up with the rules, who start the exercise, they stop the exercise, they do uh, organized judging related to scoring, so who does best, and then they define the scoring rules. And they also solve any disputes that there can be in the, in the exercise. And besides the red, blue, and then white, um, I know that commonly uh, we, we also will find the green team in the exercise. Green team is kind of out of game IT engineers who are just tasked to keep the cyber range up and running. And normally during the exercise, they don't intervene, that they are just there for, for support. And there can be others like black teams, purple teams, depending on, 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 on the situation, they can mean many things. But yeah, red, blue, and, and white are probably the most common ones that, that are, are used across the globe. Thank you. That's that's clear. Perhaps I think now is a time to pass from a general to a specific and perhaps talk a little bit about our concrete exercises that took place in Ukraine, in Kiev, about uh, two weeks ago, um, between May 17 and 19. What were those exercises about and and who participated in those, Ragnar? So in that exercise, we used the threat hunting uh, live fire format, meaning that uh, the teams, uh, there were three participating teams from, from police to, to internal security agencies. And uh, their task was to observe the red team attacks, to identify them and uh, share that information with other blue teams. And um, the, the, let's say the, the quality of the shared information was also scored in the exercise, meaning that those teams who were able to spot the attacks, to document them and share that information with other teams, they gained uh, the most of the score. But it also involved in, in solving tasks uh, uh, which were related to defining great activities. So again, yes, it was, uh, it was about, uh, let's say, finding what the rating is doing technically and sharing that information with others was the main goal of, of that, team, that exercise. And Ragnar, I know you were closely involved with that exercise. In addition to your usual title, the Cyber Range team leader, you were the exercise director for that exercise in, in Ukraine. Can you tell us what was the concrete use of, of the knowledge um, that the participants gained in that exercise. Can you bring some examples of how the Ukrainian participants can put their knowledge in practice? Yes. So, well, well the first thing is the cooperation aspect. Uh, I know that for sure these three teams who participated, they are in everyday life, they are the three principal cyber you know, security agencies in, in, in Ukraine. Uh, but because the exercise is, let's say, as real as possible, we also use real-world kind of information sharing tools, and, and uh, they had a chance to to actually provide meaningful information to other teams, and and uh, we received feedback that, that how good or bad it was, and, and that kind of experience directly goes to to everyday lives, meaning that the well, the better they are able to share the information they have with other, you know, principal cybersecurity agencies the better the whole nation will be at the defense. Um, that was like the first thing to actually exercise the real world information sharing. Um, then the next thing, well, it's also very obvious is to 
let's say, enhance your own personal skills or, let's say, team combined. Uh, because in, in the exercise, you will have many events happening in a very short time frame, and then you have to be very creative on solving them. Compared to real world, it might happen that you have a few incidents or fewer incidents, and you have, let's say, more time to investigate them. So we packed a lot of attacks into short time frame, and then uh, I believe that they had a good chance to, to, let's say, enhance their daily skills, which again will be relevant in real world. And last but not least, again, it relates to cooperation, but it's not related to Ukraine as such, but it's I've seen that in Estonia and in many cases, there is some sort of rivalry between the, the let's say, agencies and companies, at least not, not in a bad way, but in a way that everybody thinks that we are the best and, and so on. And then uh, this exercise, for one, forces them to work together because it, it was going to score, so they, they wanted to do that. But it also demonstrated very well that, that all the principal agencies were really, really capable. Uh, meaning that if you see in practice that under same circumstances, your, you know, uh, let's say, uh, colleagues from another agency are as good as you are, it will for sure kind of uh, make the cooperation in real world better. Because if you had like assumption that, hey, you know, those police guys don't know net, nothing, they are just about patching the, patching the bad guys. But now during the technical exercise, you see that they are as good as your team, then there is no, let's say, question in the future that, that can we do something together with the police because you know that they are very, very capable and, and for sure they, they can do the same things that, that we can. So, yeah, I would say that at least from my personal perspective, these were the three uh, major things. And then obviously there are many more like uh, how your team handles situations under stress and so on. So it's again like very great team building also internally inside agencies. That's clear. So indeed, cyber exercise is a way to test your your capabilities and and prepare yourself when before the real attacks come to you. Uh, Ragnar, from the part of the organizer, from uh, your experience having worked both at CyberSurge Technologies as well as, as the NATO Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence, where you also have a rich experience of organizing exercises, what is the role of an organizer uh, during a cyber exercise? Mm, how important is that? And, and, and can you expand on that a little bit? Thank you. Well, Let's say that before the exercise, there's this critical role is to just to be like administratively share information and onboard all the participants, not only the blue teams, but everybody who are part of the exercise to you know, seemingly, seemingly integrate them into the exercise. Meaning that every people would know where they have to be, what they have to do, what kind of information they need. So this is like the pure administrative aspect before the exercise. Because if you mess that up, then people will be lost. They don't know what to do. This creates bad, you know, expression, and then also lowers the motivation to participate. So that is a very important part of, of organizing exercises is to uh, kind of logistically and administratively do it good. Then the second part is that uh, the scenarios, uh, the technical scenarios and, and the attacks that are used, they have to be realistic and relevant to the to the participants. Meaning that if, if the training audience is not able to relate to, to the things that are happening, they will get uh, pretty bored and, and uh, they are not engaged. So trying to calibrate the exercise content to, to, to the customer needs is also really important. And last but not least, uh, during the exercise, 
I would say that the very important aspect is to keep the exercise fair. Uh, because in our exercises, we've seen that uh, if we add the competition or friendly scoring, it motivates the people. But it also means that, that the exercise organizers have to be very good at providing fair, you know, let's say, options for, for everybody to, to win and be the first one or, or to receive a score which can be compared. So that is also something that the white team is, is keeping eye on, is that, that the red team accidentally or, or by design doesn't favor anyone. Uh, so that all the blue teams will get the same treatment and also for other scoring aspects. So I would say that these are the, the most important things uh, what, what the exercise organizers have to do. And, and also after the exercise, to, and during the exercise to capture the, the important things that happened for after action reporting. Because in many cases, you know, if, if uh, let's say a few months or, or, or a year passes, uh, then, uh, yes, you might have the technical skills that you gained, but in many cases we discover also like organizational aspects and that could be improved. And if these things are not, let's say, documented and later shared, uh, it's very easy to, to lose them forever or, let's say, until to the next exercise where, where people go, oh, but we already had this issue and, and uh, why didn't we fix it after, or after the previous exercise? So these are the main, I would say, responsibilities and and tasks for the exercise organizers. Very clear. So while the cyber exercises are exciting and useful for the participants, it's nevertheless very important to have a good organizer as well to keep us to keep it everything to keep everything in a framework and to facilitate this great training experience. Well, I hope you all learned a little bit more about cyber exercises. Uh, thank you for listening to us. This was Ragnar Rattas, the uh, Cyber Range team leader from Cybexer Technologies, and I was your host, Merle Maigre. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.